Well, there's a great park that a house backs onto and we love walking there. And there's some sections there in that park that are quite bushy. And for a moment, you can almost feel like you're not in the city, but you're in the middle of the bush. And there's been a number of times recently since we've been locked down where I've been in those bushy sections and I've found myself wondering, wouldn't it be great just to get away? Get away into the bush, away from all these restrictions to be free just in the beauty of nature. But this is only a fleeting thought because if I was just by myself, totally free in the middle of nature, I would be getting very cold and very hungry very quickly. You see, we in fact rely on others and it's probably more dangerous, at least for me, to be in the middle of the bush at the moment by myself than it is indeed even in the middle of a pandemic to be at home. There is this idea that we have that is quite prominent in Western thinking that we are in fact, in fact rugged individuals. But this is an illusion. Sometimes you see this cropping up, particularly at the moment with some people claiming that they're sovereign citizens. Uh, they don't want to obey the laws. They don't need to... Um, be constrained by the public health orders when they're pulled over by the police. Uh, it's convenient for them then, but not so convenient when they need urgent medical attention or their house gets robbed. You see, being a rugged individual is in fact an illusion. As much as we might want to resist the culture so much that dominates us and sometimes we want to rebel against it, we actually need it. We need the systems and the structures that we exist in. We need them to survive. Our very existence depends on our relationships with others outside of ourselves. In fact, it's not just our survival that is important when we think about our relationship with others, but our relationship with others also shapes us and it shapes a sense of who we are. The famous child psychologist Vygotsky said, through others we become ourselves. What's being said there is there's a sense in which we shape our environment, but in fact, our environment shapes us. Our relationships shape us and they shape us in terms of who we are. There is in fact not a me without a we. And that's what we're going to be thinking about this morning. We're going to be thinking about three things. You'll see it up on the outline. Firstly, the me and the we. Uh, the fact that we are people in relationships. We're a self in relationship. Secondly, the me and the three. We're going to think about the God who has made us and his relational nature. And thirdly, the me and being free. How do we find ourselves or how we found in Christ and how is that freeing? And all this we're doing to understand who we are. Who we are in terms of our relationships and ultimately who we are in Christ. So the me and the we. There is no me without the we. Who we are involves our community, 
It involves our parents and our background. Those that we live around are constantly shaping who we are. Our identities are always communicated to us and they're communicated through us. It's interesting in the way in which social media is used in the construction of identity. People want to assert who they are. And so what they'll do is they'll take a selfie as a declaration. Perhaps it's entitled, this is who I am. But where is it posted? It's posted to social media. So people's sense of self is actually found in their relationship to others. And in one sense, there's nothing wrong about this. This is actually common. Uh, this is proper in many ways. You cannot properly understand who you are as a human by yourself. You cannot understand yourself properly in isolation from others. We, in fact, need others to survive, but we also need others in the shaping of who we are. Our relationships both affirm who we are and often our relationships draw us out and help us discover who we are. Uh, the French writer Charles Augustine saint Beauvoir said this, I think there's a quote on the screen, tell me who loves, who admires you, and I will tell you who you are. See, what the writer understands there is who we are is not just a matter of you deciding who you are. No, it's a product of the relationships around you. But why is that? Why is our, um, why are our relationships as humans so determinative of who we are? Well, we need to understand the reality of the God who has made us because the me and is found in the we but only because of the three. And that's my second point, that relationships are at the centre of reality because our God is a relational God. Here's a quote from an Australian theologian, former principal of Moore College. He says this. He says, Through the revelation of the Trinity... We learn that the living God, the good and true God, is a God who has relationship within himself. What Broad Knox is saying there is the God who we worship is not just an abstract ideal. He's not just a God thing out there. The God we worship is relationship in himself. And we can see this in the way that Jesus talks about his relationship with his father. That was from our first reading, John chapter 5. In John chapter 5, we see that Jesus does not see himself as the origin of who he is. The eternal son saw himself in relationship with his father. It was not just him doing his own thing. No, what he was doing was directed by God. He says there in verse 19, Jesus says, he can only do what the Father sees, he, sorry, he can do only what he sees his Father doing. See, Jesus, the eternal son at least, doesn't see himself as the starting point. He doesn't see himself as the origin. He sees his relationship with his Father 
That's what he goes on to say there in verse 19. He sees himself in relationship because whatever the father does, the son does. See, the son is talking about his purpose in life here. And his purpose in life isn't directed by himself. It's not something that he's created. It's not something that he's invented. It's not something that he's discovered. The son's purpose is taken from the father because whatever the father does, the son does. And you see further on there in verse 20, for the father loves the son and shows him all he does. This relationship that the father has with the son is one of love. And because the father loves the son, the father invites the son into this loving relationship with him. He in fact shows the son. And so the son, the eternal son, God the son, he in himself knows who he is. He knows who he is by his relationship with his father, the father that directs him, the father that loves him. And he goes on in verse 20 to say that there are even greater works that will be even more incredible than the ones that he is doing. See, this relationship of father and son has worked together for the salvation of all who would trust in him. Verse 21, just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, so even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give. See, the gospel, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is the act of the son seeing what his father does. Just as the father raises the dead, so too. The son raises the dead. And so we see here that the son's sense of self is found in his loving relationship with his father. And that's an important reality for us to understand. That who we are as people, our sense of identity, our sense of self is not fundamentally found in ourselves. It's not fundamentally found by creating it ourselves. Our sense of who we are is found in relationship and relationship to God, our Father. Christian identity at its centre is grounded in who you love and who loves you. So we've seen that we, are, we function in relationships Relationships shape us and relationships are so important for us because the God who has made our world is a relational God and at the heart of who God is in terms of the son, the son understands his relationship by knowing who his father is and by following him. And so we need to ask ourselves how will that shape us? What we see in that, in that reality in John chapter 5 is that both there's a sense of self and there's a relationship. And these two things are always held in tension. There's a self and there's a self in relationship. There is a sense in which we are not our relationships. 
Often relationships can be destructive, dangerous and idolatrous. All good things can be subverted. People oppress others. People hem others in. They limit them. They demean them. People often want to live their lives through other people. Parents attempt to live their lives sometimes through their children, which is almost always destructive. So there's a sense in which you can have a self that is just totally separate from others. Or the other problem is that you can have a self where you fail to become Sorry, you can have it. You fail to become properly yourself. The problem is that relationships with many people fail to become themselves because they mirror people around them. They conform to expectations and wishes of others. See, there's a sense in which um, there is merely an individual, an individual who seeks to live without reference to others and then there is that is the same individual that can make the mistake of being conformed and collapsed into the relationship of others so how do we as christians how do we manage that tension that tension of knowing who we are in ourselves but not being lost in others Well, that tension is resolved in our relationship with the Lord Jesus. Our relationship with the Lord Jesus is that which is truly freeing for us, freeing to be who we really are. And this is my third point. We are free in the Lord Jesus. Our relationship to The Lord Jesus for the Christian actually determines and shapes who we are. Being Christian is not merely an individual affair. We have a common identity in Christ, but that common identity is lived out individually and is lived out in a unique way. God has given us all different life packages, different backgrounds, and so the reality of that is lived in relationship with Christ. We've already seen um, that the God of relationship has come in the Lord Jesus and he's come and he's come to rescue us and that rescue that we speak about in the gospel actually reshapes and retransforms, or tr- sorry, transforms our sense of self, our sense of who we are. We see this um, illustrated in Galatians chapter 2, verse 19. Here the Apostle Paul is speaking about uh, the law which he has died for, verse 19. For through the law I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. What we have is a magnificent opening of the invitation of the gospel, of the gospel of the Lord Jesus, where Paul is saying there in verse 19 that he no longer lives. Now, what does the apostle mean? Does the apostle mean now that 
his own personality is suppressed or is now lost in Christ? No, that's not what the apostle means. Paul means that the old I, the I in Adam, the I that's caught up in sin, the I that's a slave to sin, he's saying that I no longer lives. The old age of sin and death has been set aside because the Lord Jesus has died. And the language fits here with what Paul also says in Romans chapter 6, that our old self was crucified with him. The phrase old self points to the reality that believers were in Adam. And in Adam, that was our old self. But because of the Lord Jesus, we now have a new self, a self that's been set free from sin, set free from the constraints and the deformation that sin places in our lives. I no longer live, Paul says. That is, the part of sin which has controlled me no longer lives, but Christ lives in me. And that's his second point. It's the Lord Jesus who lives in us. Uh, the reality of our relationship with the Lord Jesus is often expressed in the New Testament with just one preposition. It's described as being in Christ. This is mentioned 164 times in the New Testament. The phrase being in Christ. And what's being spoken of there is not some mystical reality. When the Apostle Paul speaks of being in Christ, he's speaking of being in relationship with Christ. He's speaking of being joined with Christ. He's speaking of participating in the life with Christ. I no longer live. Sin's not controlling me, but Christ lives in me. I'm participating in Christ, the Apostle Paul is saying, but best of all, Christ is participating in my life. He is now the most dominant reality in my life. We trust in the Lord Jesus, but we trust him in a relational way. We trust him because he's at work in our lives. We don't trust him just because it's an abstract truth out there that we, you know is right and you have to trust it. It is right. But we trust the Lord Jesus because he's at work in our lives. He's at work in our lives. And so just as the Son is free in the Father, so too we are free in the Son. We're free to understand who we are. We're free to understand without the reality of sin having the dominant effect upon our lives. This means that we can understand properly who we are. In Paul's understanding, Christian identity comes from being in Christ, being in relationship with the Lord Jesus. And Christians are people who have been displaced in their own being. We've been moved away from ourselves and Christ has become the dominant reality in our lives such that we can know ourselves truly through him. We have died with him. Christ has died for us, but we have died with him and we have set free with him.
And this is wonderful news for us who are Christian people. Because our world has two ways in which they seek to construct an identity. They seek to understand who they are. Firstly, our world often seeks to understand themselves in what we'll call the discovery model, which is often an ancient way of thinking. And in the discovery model, you actually see yourself in opposition to others. You find yourself where? By looking inwards. That's where truth is found. That's where your real self is found. But the problem with that is that you're a slave. You're a slave to your own thoughts of yourself. You're a slave to your own feelings, your own insights. It's frustrating because looking within yourself is never enough. The other way our world often thinks about who we are as people is not the discovery model, we'll call it the creative model. And that's not in opposition to others, that's trying to be like others. It's found by creating a sense of self. But that means that we're a slave to our own creative means. We're limited by the palette that we've been given in life and it's exhausting constantly having to create yourself and recreate yourself in light of others. See, the Christian person doesn't find themselves by looking in, the discovery model. The Christian person doesn't find themselves in the creative model, constantly having to reinvent and re, um, uh, recreate or curate who we are. The Christian in the gospel of Lord Jesus finds themselves in relation to the Lord Jesus. This is not something that we look inwards to. This is something that we look to God for. This is not something that we have to create. This is wonderfully a gift that has been given. And this is something most truly and wonderfully that doesn't see ourselves in opposition with others and it doesn't see ourselves like others. It helps us move towards others because The Lord Jesus is now our controlling reality. He's the one who gives us our true self. He's the environment, the force field, the sphere of influence that determines our life and thought. We're not merely an individual if we're a Christian. We're a person in relationship with the Lord Jesus, controlled by him and controlled for him in the life that he gives us now, in the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And this is great news. This is a great reminder. This is a great reminder for us that we don't have to construct ourselves, we don't have to discover ourselves. If we want to know ourselves, if we want to find ourselves, we come to grips with the reality that the Lord Jesus has found us, that he loves us, that he's forgiven us, And that he wants us to live for him. And when we know that, we participate in it. See, our reality of our sense of self is found in this ongoing relationship, in this growing relationship. God wants us to live for him. And when we live for him, we can know ourselves and we can live for others through faith in the Lord Jesus. Amen. We're going to pray to our Heavenly Father now.